Welcome to the Sugar Freedom Show, a weekly show about getting off of sugar and the foods that turn into sugar as soon as you eat them. Hi, I'm Catherine Best Gordon. I am your host and the author of Sugar Freedom. The new weekly format is intended to address the the disorder that I have had since I was six years old, and that is binge eating disorder. Recently, I was so grateful to discover that binge eating disorder had been officially recognized as a disorder separate from bulimia and anorexia. The disorder that I deal with does match the definition, and I'm actually going to read the definition to you right now from the National Institutes of Health. And this definition, you can find this at niddk.nih.gov. Definition and facts for binge eating disorder. What is binge eating disorder? Binge eating is when you eat a large amount of food in a short amount of time and feel that you can't control what or how much you are eating. If you binge eat regularly, at least once a week for three months, you may have binge eating disorder. If you have binge eating disorder, you may be very upset by your binge eating. You also may feel ashamed and try to hide your problem. Even your close friends and family members may not know you binge eat. How is binge eating disorder different from bulimia nervosa? Unlike people with binge eating disorder, people who have bulimia nervosa try to prevent weight gain after binge eating by vomiting, using laxatives or diuretics, fasting, or exercising too much. How common is binge eating disorder? Binge eating disorder is the most common eating disorder in the United States. About 3.5% of adult women and 2% of adult men have binge eating disorder. For men, binge eating disorder is most common in midlife between the ages of 45 to 59. For women, binge eating disorder most commonly starts in early adulthood between the ages of 18 and 29. About 1.6% of teenagers are affected. A much larger number of adults and children have episodes of binge eating or loss of control eating, but the episodes do not occur frequently enough to meet the criteria for binge eating disorder. Binge eating disorder affects African Americans as often as whites. More research is needed on how often binge eating disorder affects people in other racial and ethnic groups. Who is more likely to develop binge eating disorder? Binge eating disorder can occur in people of average body weight, but it is more common in people with obesity, particularly severe obesity. However, it is important to note that most people with obesity do not have binge eating disorder. And then this also really speaks to me, the next paragraph. Painful childhood experiences, such as family problems and critical comments about your shape, weight, or eating also are associated with developing binge eating disorder. Binge eating disorder also runs in families and there may be a genetic component component as well. So I want to encourage you, if you have more questions, to go ahead and go to that website again, niddk.nih.gov, and you can put in the box binge eating disorder and you'll see this article and more information there. I will share with you what happened when I was a child, which I believe 
was the trigger, the evidence is there for my binge eating disorder. And that was um, the sudden death of my father when I was six years old. And I do remember that very shortly after that, um, I remember my first specific binge. Um, It was a huge, huge bowl of not just ice cream, but basically anything else that was like sweet thrown in there. Um, and I remember forcing myself to finish it, even though I didn't really want to. And so that was the beginning for me. In other episodes, I may talk a little bit more about my recovery from binge eating disorder, but I want to get right to the new format for this show, which is going to be a weekly format. And I am going to include, uh, that's going to be the book of the week. And I'm going to include the recipe of the week and then also the training for the week. There are three things that have helped me to come into long-term recovery from binge eating disorder and also long-term recovery from obesity. I've lost, um, my top non-pregnancy weight was 185 pounds and my everyday normal weight that I usually stay pretty close to is 125 pounds. So that is a 60 pound weight release, which I've maintained for since 2009. So many years now. So the weekly format, going to talk about the book of the week and then the recipe of the week and then the training of the week so that you have very specific actions that you can take in order to achieve and maintain good health and also a feeling of well-being and confidence so that we can get out and live our lives and uh, do the work that we want to do in our lives. So the book of the week, we're going to start with where it all started for me getting into recovery from binge eating disorder. And that book is Dr. Atkins' New Diet Revolution. And I am holding in my hand the copy that I've had for a number of years. It's a bit dog-eared. It opens right to the crispy Parmesan chicken legs recipe, which I've made so much over the years. And I'm actually going to make this uh, recipe today with a couple of adjustments. This is actually not the recipe of the week. The recipe of the week is going to be my freedom soup recipe, but I will share this recipe as well. When I did Dr. Atkins' New Diet Revolution for the first time, it didn't take because I didn't really follow it. In order for this for this particular way of eating to work, you do have to follow it. And it is the elimination of all sugars and all grains from the food plan, which I have continued to do over the years. And when I did this program, when I did Atkins, it was the first time that I actually managed to get rid of the sugar and the grains long enough to see real results. For me, the results came from once I got off of the sugar and the grains, literally after just maybe 24 hours or two days, I saw this significant transformation in my appetite. All of a sudden I was full, I was satisfied, and I wasn't craving the sugar anymore. And if you read this book, you will certainly go into the understanding of the power of ketones and the power of being in um, nutritional ketosis for reducing appetite and for reducing cravings. And so go ahead get it, read it, dive in. I do believe that it'll be really helpful on your journey. So I want to do to talk about three things about this particular book that 
was truly helpful. All right, so appetite for the first control, appetite control for the first time in memory, real weight loss with good energy, and then, but however, the problems in the book were, um, in this particular book, there are some things, some Atkins products that were, they were processed versions of foods that we were pulling out of the diet. So processed versions of sugar and grains. And these that they tried to make to make substitutions for the whole natural foods that we were pulling out, these tended to cause hunger and bring back cravings for me. So the bottom line with Dr. Atkins' new diet revolution is very effective so long as I stayed with the whole natural foods. In other words, you know, beef, chicken, fish, and pork, uh, vegetables that grow above the ground. So the foods on the Atkins plan, as long as they were whole and natural and they were coming like from the outside aisles of the grocery store, this was very powerful and effective. But as soon as I tried to add in substitutions, they, you know, made different things like, you know, muffins and kind of bread mix and breading mixes. This is where things kind of fell apart for me. So if you want to do Atkins, I would recommend whole food, whole natural food Atkins. So let's move on to the recipe of the week. And the recipe of the week is my freedom soup. And I got to go ahead and pull that up for you. And I'll get it. Freedom. Oops. Yes. Pardon the brief pause here. Getting that freedom soup recipe back up again. There it is. I've got all these different windows open. All right, so the Freedom Soup recipe, and you can actually, I'll post this at katherinetraining.com. That's C-A-T-H-E-R-I-N-E-T-R-A-I-N-I-N-G.com, and I'll post this there. Ingredients, one 31-ounce jar of bone broth. Use vegetable, uh, vegetable broth for a vegan version. A half onion, diced. Three stalks of celery, sliced. A basket of mushrooms, chopped, about one and a half cups two cups of cabbage chopped, and a tablespoon of olive oil. The directions are in a large soup pot over medium heat. Add the olive oil and saute all of the ingredients in the above order. Add the bone broth and reduce heat to simmer. Simmer 40 minutes and add salt and pepper to taste before serving. And of course, you can add any other seasonings, herbs, and spices that you wish to. And then you could also, um, if you wanted to add... uh, make it even more of a meal, you could add some shredded chicken. One thing that I do want to note is I used um, a Zoop brand bone broth, which comes in a jar. And I have to admit to you, when I looked at the ingredients, it does mention natural flavors on the jar. The difficulty with that is mm, it's possible that that could be MSG. So if that is a problem, I'm afraid that really the only solution is that we need to make our own bone broth. And it's pretty simple the way you do that. If you have um, a crock pot or a slow cooker, you can put in a whole organic chicken in the cooker, cover it with water and cook it. Then you take the chicken out, let it cool, and take off all of the, the meat and the skin. And there's going to be, obviously, there's going to be you know some fat and some meat left clinging to the bones. You're not going to get it all out. Empty the crock pot. 
So then put the bones back in the crock pot, cover it with water, and then you can add, you know, some, some celery and you can add some, some salt and some herbs and spices, cover it with enough water to cover the chicken bones, cover it. And then you're going to uh, put that on low in the crock pot overnight. And then the liquid that that makes, you're going to strain it. And then that will be your broth that you'll use for the base. And of course I will remake the, uh, the broth again because the truth is is if we do have time to make the broth ourselves then we have control of everything that's going in that recipe and now for the training of the week the training of the week is going to be the big five lifts and then i'm also going to give you some intervals as well so the big five is going to be goblet squat the overhead press and then the romanian deadlift and the dumbbell row, and the dumbbell curl. So those are your five exercises. And you're going to do eight reps of each of those exercises, do them in a circuit, and repeat that three times. And of course, the the dumbbell row is done one arm at a time, so that's eight reps for each arm. So there is your training of the week. And then also your intervals of the week. The way that I like to do intervals is I do like to do them in the morning. I'll have my coffee and my Freedom Tonic, and this is, I call it a wake-up call. So you're going to do total body extensions, you're going to do jumping jacks or sidesteps, counter push-ups, and then mountain climbers or cross-crawls, and you're going to do that in a circuit, and you're going to put on your favorite song and do that until it's done. Uh, between three and four minutes. So there's your training of the week and your circuit of the week. So you can do that circuit. Um, you can do it every morning, maybe taking one morning a week off for a full rest day. And you can do that in off days. So if you're training, if you're weightlifting three times a week, which is what I recommend for beginners. So you might do your training on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, and then do the intervals on Tuesdays and Thursdays. The other way you could also manage this is on Tuesdays and Thursdays, you could do this in the morning. And then once again, maybe at like three o'clock in the, in the afternoon, three o'clock between three and five is where sometimes I start to have food thoughts and doing a quick set of intervals to your favorite song can often help to counteract those food thoughts. Also, in the afternoon, one of the amazing things about this freedom soup is that um, if you ever get a craving or you start to have thoughts where you're like, gee, I really might like X, Y, or Z, especially if X, Y, or Z tends to be a binge trigger, you can reach for the freedom soup instead. Because in our lifestyle of recovery from binge eating disorder or any kind of overeating or any issues that we have with overeating is I believe that we do need, if we take away the behavior that's hurting us, we need to substitute a behavior that is helping us. <clears throat> and behaviors that help me are uh, you know, cooking good food, doing good training, reading wonderful books, listening to wonderful music, and of course, doing the work that I am supposed to do. Uh, I am a certified personal trainer, and I also uh, am a writer and an actor and a singer. And there are so many things pertaining to my work that I love to do that I can substitute for the behaviors that I used to do, which were compulsive binge eating and, uh, you know, things like uh, surfing the internet too much. 
if we want to improve the things we do in our daily lives, we need to specifically find a way to discover and apply other positive behaviors. So there's my show for this week. That is the Sugar Freedom Show for this week. And oh, uh, you may be listening to this down the road, but this particular episode is being recorded the day before Mother's Day here in the United States. And on Mother's Day or on any holiday, I give myself the gift of continuing to eat sugar freedom style. But what I do is I eat the very highest quality versions of the foods I usually eat. So for example, um, what I have for tomorrow, because I am managing my own eating tomorrow, it's that important to me. I have um, a lovely ribeye steak and I have some absolutely beautiful Uh, vegetables, heirloom tomatoes for the salad, and fine balsamic vinegar and olive oil to make my salad dressing. Oh, speaking of balsamic vinegar, yes, it does have a little bit of sugar in it, but if I stay um, 30 grams of total carbohydrates per day, as long as I stay within that, I can have a little bit of balsamic vinegar and it works very well. Thank you for listening to the Sugar Freedom Show. You can contact me at 9katherine9 at gmail.com. You can find out more by going to katherinetraining.com and you can get the whole Sugar Freedom program at sugarfreedom.com. So please subscribe to this show. If you're hearing it on iTunes, please subscribe so you get these weekly shows and you're going to get the book of the week the recipe of the week, and the training of the week, and uh, leave a review because that does make a real difference in helping people find the Sugar Freedom Show. Bye-bye, and let's talk soon.